the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Well, good morning, everyone. I uh, hope you're having a wonderful day. Uh, this is uh, Let Us Reason, and I'm your host, Al Fadi, and thank you for tuning in. And if you've been uh, listening to our just most recent shows, we've been going through a lot of wonderful series. One of those wa- is with uh, our dear brother, Sam Shamoon. It's uh, geared towards apologetics, using the Quran to show basically the uh, deity of Christ by tying some of the descriptions of Christ in the Quran back to the Bible. Of course, the Quran is kind of like you can think of it in this way as the springboard back to the Bible. Another thing that I've been doing uh, lately is to, uh, every now and then, uh, give you a quick update on some of the apologetic posts that I've been putting on my Facebook. Now, you can always, of course, uh, visit my Facebook through a variety of ways. You can go directly to Facebook, and you have my personal one, which is alfadi.sira, alfadi, one word, A-L, F as in Frank, A as in Apple, D as in David, I, dot, Sira, which is C as in Charlie, I, R as in Romeo, A as in Apple. So alfadi.sira, that's one way. And uh, you can also uh, get there from my own ministry Facebook page called Sira International, one word, C-I-R-A International, one word. In there, you can also uh, toggle back and forth between that or maybe send me a friend request uh, to my alfadi.sira. Another way, of course, you can get there is through my website, which is www.sirainternational.com. Again, the Sira C as in Charlie, not S. It's C as in Charlie, C-I-R-A international.com. Uh, you can also follow uh, the podcast of this particular show, Let Us Reason, on the website itself. You can go to YouTube now and through my YouTube channel, uh, which is Sira International. You can have access to my videos, both in English and in Arabic. You can have access even to the podcast through YouTube. So there's a variety of ways you can uh, track what we're doing. Uh, this is uh, the almost the end of our third season, and we're approaching the beginning of the fourth season. Praise God for that. Thank you so much for your support, for your prayers, and for uh, your love and uh, partnership. Um, so uh, here are uh, some of the things that I want to update you on recently. Uh, for instance, in July 11th, I posted something related to a segment that I call Test Your Islamic Knowledge, and uh, it's usually quick questions or simple questions, you know, that I ask. This time I ask about Muhammad 
being in the Bible, and I specifically mentioned the Song of Solomon, Song of Solomon, which is part of a collection in the Bible known as Wisdom Literature, also known as the Psalters, also known as Psalms in general, but that includes, of course, more than just the Psalms that you and I are familiar with. It includes, of course, the Proverbs. It includes also Ecclesiastes. It includes also Songs of Solomon. It includes Job. So all of this collection is known as Psalms. In fact, if you go to Luke chapter 24, verse 44, Jesus talking to the two disciples from Emmaus, and he was telling them basically that this is, uh, he was showing them that this, what has to be done basically, or to fulfill what is written about me in, in terms of the fact that he had to be captured, he had to be uh, tried, he has to be crucified, to die on the cross, to be buried and rise again. He showed him that this has to be done to fulfill what was written on me, uh, about me, where, he says, in the law of Moses, that's part number one, the Psalms, part number two, and the prophets. So the Old Testament at the time of Jesus was divided into three parts. I'm not saying that the Old Testament before the time of Jesus was different, but at the time of Jesus, it was commonly known as the Tanakh, basically, which stands for the Torah, that's the T, which is the Law of Moses, the N for Nevi'im, which is the Prophets, and Kutuvim, and that's Kutuvim basically is the writings that includes the historical writings and the wisdom literature. That's another way to look at it. So, Muslims, believe it or not, are convinced that Muhammad is actually found in the Bible. Now, here's the interesting part about this. Anytime you meet a Muslim, by the way, and you try to share anything from the Bible, the almost uh, default answer to anything you bring up is that your Bible has been corrupt. But it never ceases to amaze me that despite the fact that a Muslim will think the Bible is corrupt, that they are willing to show you Muhammad in the Bible that they in their mind think is corrupt. You know, awkward? Of course it is. But nevertheless, that shows you how the enemy of God, the enemy of the gospel, the devil, Satan, works. The God of this age blinded their mind. No logical person can use a basically a corrupt source to try to prove to you from that corrupt source truth that they believe in. But because Satan has blinded the mind of those who do not believe in Christ, that includes anyone and everyone that doesn't believe in Christ, whether they're Muslim or non-Muslims. Nevertheless, it is a testimony to the power of the God of this age, who is Satan, and how he can manipulate minds and facts and allow, in this case, my Muslim people to use the same book that they claim is corrupt. Of course, the Bible, far be it from being a corrupt book, but a Muslim thinks it is corrupt, yet at the same time, they're willing to tell you that Muhammad is found in the Bible. I, I consider this a, a positive step, actually, when a Muslim tells me that, because, hey, uh, that's, a, that's a chance for us to do a Bible study together, and let's just go to these passages that a Muslim is bringing. And remember, in Islam, it's a customary thing to take one verse from the Quran, maybe a couple of verses, and that's about it. The Bible, of course, works in context. You have to really look at the context, look at the bigger picture, understand why this is being said the way it is being said. Can I really just take this one verse only and assume 
that this is the doctrine that God is teaching me. For instance, if you go to, uh, to uh, Jeremiah 16, God was telling Jeremiah not to get married. Okay, well, what do I take out of this? Well, there are two solutions. Either I look at this verse and assume that God is telling me I shouldn't be married, or look at marriage in general in the Bible, and now I understand that in the context of Jeremiah, and specifically when we get to chapter 16, God is warning His people, don't get make any commitments, because there's trouble on the horizon. The Babylonians are coming. They're going to destroy your city. In other words, don't really add more to your misery anyway, you know? If you are going to make commitments, you're going to lose. If you're going to enlarge your family, you're going to have to worry now more about your wife and your kids now, you know? So that's the context that was taken uh, place in there. So that's what I mean. Context is important. Scripture interprets Scripture. Our Lord Jesus Christ said that Scripture cannot be broken, Okay, you go to John 10, that's what he says. What does that mean? It means that you have to really look at the Bible as a connection of passages. You cannot really pick and choose, cherry-picking, basically, and say, I like this verse, but I don't like that. So, why do Muslims then think that Muhammad is found in the Bible? Well, there are two verses in the Quran, for instance, that leads them to believe this. There are more, but I'm going to pick these two. One is found in chapter 7. Verse 157, here's what it says. Those who follow the messenger, the unlettered prophet, okay? So we're talking about Muhammad here. Whom they find mentioned in their own scriptures, in the law and the gospel, it is they who will prosper. So this verse is speaking to converts to Islam at the time of Muhammad who came from a Christian background, that's the gospel people, and from a Jewish background, that's the law, people. Which law? The law of Moses. By the way, the um, the Arabic really in the Quran doesn't use the exact same word for law as it's used in the Arabic Bible, for instance. But nevertheless, this is one passage is saying that those converts from Christianity and Judaism at the time of Muhammad, they did so because they know that their scripture has a reference to Muhammad being there, okay? And then another passage in chapter 61 of the Quran, verse 6, now Jesus is actually prophesying the coming of someone after him whose name is the Praise One or Ahmed. And Muslims are convinced that this Ahmed, the Praise One, is no other than Muhammad himself. And they tie this particular passage in Quran 61, verse 6, to... Uh, basically something like in John chapter 14 or 15, which speaks about the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, and they will say, well, that Comforter that Jesus is promising that will be sent from the Father, or he will send him, as it says in John 15, is no other than Muhammad himself. Okay? So this is how they rationale, uh, uh, rationalize, I should say, uh, this thinking. Uh, Quran 61.6 reads this, and remember, Jesus, the son of Mary, said, O children of Israel, I am the messenger of Allah sent to you, confirming the law which came before me, and giving glad tidings, good news, of a messenger to come after me, whose name shall be Ahmed. Okay? So, in other words, Muslims will say, you see, here you go. Jesus himself, in the Quran, prophesies the coming of Muhammad. Therefore, no one has any excuses to reject him, since Jesus himself said, that Muhammad will come after him. So that's really not what it says, okay? 
Uh, why, why would the Quran pick the name Ahmed versus Muhammad? I mean, is it hard really for the God of Islam to say, and his name shall be Muhammad? I'm not so sure. So uh, we're not going to get into complicated issues right now, but I'm telling you, there's so many things you can poke holes in, okay? Nevertheless, one of those favorite passages, of course, that Muslims will default to in the Old Testament that has the word Muhammadim, okay? Muhammadim, and it's translated in uh, basically Song of Solomon's 5.16 as altogether lovely, okay? Altogether lovely. And they say, see, there you go, Muhammadim, Muhammad, that's him right there. And the passage is speaking about him. It doesn't. I mean, here's the passage in English. His mouth is most sweet. Yes, he is altogether lovely. Okay, altogether lovely. This is my beloved, and this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. That's the New King James, for instance. A phonetic, basically, transliteration of the underlying Hebrew text here will read the following. Okay? It will, when it comes to that word altogether lovely, Muhammadim, okay? And it's not, ty- this is a plural ending, you know, more than one person, by the way. Nevertheless, just because it sounds like Muhammad, it doesn't mean in Hebrew that it is talking about a noun here. It's not. It's actually an adjective describing someone altogether lovely, okay? There's a description, not a noun here. So you cannot just go to a French language or to a Spanish language, for instance, or a Russian language and say, oh, if I hear this word, then it must be this in Arabic too. No. Words can read and, and, and sound the same in different languages, but they do not have the exact same meaning. So, I mean, linguistically speaking, let us be fair here. But nevertheless, that's one of the passages that Muslims are convinced that Muhammad is found in. So in my post, I put something about this, the post that I just did on my Facebook in July 11th, and I asked this question. I said, really, the Quran makes reference usually to the Torah and the Injil, Torah, Old Testament, or the Law of Moses, Injil, reference New Testament, or to Jesus. It also makes reference to the Psalms and calls it the Zabur, although the Quran is convinced that the Zabur or the Psalms, all of them, are given to David. That's not true. You and I, of course, know that Psalms, just the Psalms itself, Book of Psalms, not all of it is by King David. Only maybe 70 plus are by David. The rest of them are by others. In fact, there is a Psalm by Solomon. There is a Psalm by Moses. And there are others also, sons of Korah. You know, so nevertheless, Muslims are convinced that the Psalms are given to David. Fine. The Quran also goes a step further. Not only it specifically mentions that the Torah was given to Moses, that Njil was given to Jesus, that the Zabur or the Psalm was given to David, the Quran actually makes quotations from the Psalms. You find this in chapter 21 of the Quran, verse 105. It says that uh, the righteous shall inherit the earth as it is mentioned, basically, I'm paraphrasing it, in the Zabur or the Psalms. Why? Because you find this, for instance, in Psalm uh, 37, 29, uh, 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 Psalms, uh, basically, uh, uh, 37, 29, it talks about the righteous shall inherit the land. So it's a quotation that is coming from the Psalm. The Quran also makes a quotation from the Old Testament. If you go to chapter 5 of the Quran, verse 45, uh, uh, five, it takes a quotation 
about the law of retaliation that is found in Exodus 21, verse 23. The Quran also, um, in, uh, in one of its chapter, chapter 48, verse 29, it makes reference to the parable of the seed and the sower that is found basically in Mark chapter 4, verses 26 to 28. Why am I saying this? It's amazing that even though the Quran took the time to make these references, the Quran never says that, and you will find Muhammad mentioned in the Psalms, for instance, or you will find Muhammad mentioned specifically this way in the Torah, or you will find him specifically mentioned this way in the Injil. So all of this is just uh, an effort by people, Muslim people in this case, to try to um, you know, interject the Prophet of Islam into our scripture. In fact, if you study really this movement, it just uh, uh, it hasn't been that old. I mean, maybe maybe about a hundred plus years that this idea that Muhammad is in the Bible start to pick up. Basically, uh, so what happened before then? How come it wasn't a big deal before then? Yes, we understand that Muslims thought that he was in there, but how come uh, there was no reference to specific passages? that are being mentioned with the exception to few. If you read the biography of Muhammad, for instance, you'll see that Ibn Ishaq uh, basically made references to John 14, John 14, verses 15 and 16, for instance. And you read something like this says, among the things which have reached me, that's one person who's talking in the biography of Muhammad, saying me about what Jesus, the son of Mary, stated in the gospel, which he received from God for the followers of the gospel in applying a term to describe the apostle of God, meaning Muhammad, is the following. It is extracted from what John the apostle set down for them when he wrote the gospel for them from the testament of Jesus, son of Mary. Notice, I mean, it's amazing that the biographer here about Muhammad is quoting from John. And this biography would have been written about 1,200 years ago. If he's quoting from John 1,200 years ago, why does anyone say that the Bible is corrupt if he's actually considering the Bible in his day, 1,200 years ago, to be worthy to be quoted? And then he proceeds to take portions from the Gospel of John chapter 14, and he says this. This is Jesus speaking, uh, or John writing here, saying, He that hates me. Jesus is saying, he that hates me has hated the Lord. And if I had not done in their presence works, which none other before me did, they hadn't had sin. But from now they are puffed up with pride and think that they will overcome me and also the Lord. But the word that is in the law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause, okay, without reason. But when the Comforter has come, whom God will send to you from the Lord's presence, okay, and the Spirit of truth, which will have gone forth from the Lord's presence, he shall bear witness of me, and you also, because you have been with me from the beginning, I have spoken unto you about this, that you shouldn't be in doubt. I mean, Obviously, the quotation is not exact, but we don't know exactly what Bible this biographer had access to. What Bible? Was it in Arabic? Was it in Syriac? Was it in Aramaic? What language it was in that this translation came from? 
at least at this level. I'm, probably there is work out there that can identify this, but I'm just sharing. If it sounds a little bit different to you, that doesn't mean it didn't come from that passage because he's telling us already that it is coming from that particular passage. So this is why it is extremely important for us when someone comes and tells us that their prophet can be found in the Bible, is to first ask, which Bible? Meaning, which book in the Bible? Which verse? And let's look at this verse and see for ourselves. For instance, if a Muslim is convinced that this particular passage, for instance, uh, is speaking about um, uh, Muhammad, right? And and I'm going to show you how we can uh, look at that. If we look at this particular passage in John 14, and I'm going to go there right now so I can read it for you specifically. If you go to John 14, verse 15, and this is where it says, If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, this is Jesus speaking, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Uh, he will give you another comforter, okay? Now, did you catch what it says? And I will ask the Father. Well, Muslims deny that God is called the Father. But you cannot pick and choose. You cannot tell me, I like the fact that he's sending a comforter, but I don't like God to be called the Father. Well, Jesus is speaking here and saying, God is the Father. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter. So why is it that you like the comforter part, and you ignore God being called the Father? Here's another part in there. And Jesus is saying, to help you and be with you forever. Come on. Are you telling me Muhammad is staying with us forever? Even Muslims know that Muhammad lived until he was 63 years of age and died, and he's buried, and his burial place is found in modern-day Saudi in Medina, okay? And then Jesus proceeds to explain, who is this comforter, this advocate? His name is the Spirit of Truth. Muhammad was a physical person with a physical body, okay? The world cannot accept him because it is neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. These are the apostles of Jesus, 2,000 years ago, Jesus was saying, when did the apostles knew about Muhammad? Okay. For he lives with you. Did Muhammad live 2,000 years ago? And will be in you. Notice, in you. That's the coming of the Holy Spirit after the ascension of Christ to glory. Okay. So just by reading it, you can see that there is a problem here. Here is another one that is found in John 15, actually. In John 15, verse 26, Muslims also like to go to that one because it's a the same thing. It's a continuation of the same promise. It says, when the advocate comes, when the comforter comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. A number of problems with this. First, Jesus is saying he's the one who's going to send him. Any Muslim, any honest Muslim knows that if Muhammad is truly a prophet from God, then God is the one who sent him. Jesus is saying he will send the comforter. Are you telling me Muslims agree now that Jesus is the God of Islam and he is the God of Muhammad? Because that's what it says. He said, I will send him. That's what Jesus is saying. And the other thing, once again, Jesus is clarifying that God is called the Father. So you cannot deny that. And the comforter is called the Spirit of Truth. You cannot deny that. Okay. And on top of that, he will testify about Jesus. Well, Islam denies everything and anything that we know about our Jesus in the Scripture. It denied him to be called the Son of God. It denied him to be divine. It denied the fact that he is God incarnate. 
and the list can go on and on and on. So, so this is what I mean by the fact that we can go to these passages that a Muslim brings to our attention, but let's put it in perspective and let's ask these pointed questions. So if you visit our Facebook, again, Facebook, uh, alfadi.sira, C as in Charlie, C-I-R-A, alfadi, one word, dot, sira, uh, go and examine those posts because we put them there in particular to help you uh, doing these kind of rational discussions with our Muslim friends. They mean well when they bring these things, uh, so let us take uh, these arguments at face value and realize that it's an opportunity to do a gospel study with them. My time is up, but I hope that you uh, will find these kind of updates helpful. We will do a, a particular series in the future about Muhammad in the Bible. We'll go through a number of those passages, but keep track of my posts. You are going to come across a lot of those arguments and show you how we can reason with a person who is bringing it up to your attention. Once again, you can always... Uh, listen to our show by going to our website, uh, which is sierrainternational.com. Uh, go to uh, soundcloud.com forward slash let dash us dash reason. Uh, you can Google us also on YouTube and you'll find us also uh, in YouTube. We have our own channel, Sierra International. Uh, so I welcome uh, your feedback. Uh, connect with us. Send us friend requests and send us any emails with any questions. Until we meet again, have a blessed week. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.